Future Design Podcast is made possible by the support of listeners like you. Please visit my website at fdpod.co. That's fdpod.co and sign up for my free newsletter that includes the monthly review of the latest four episodes, takeaways, books, and articles I've read to prepare for the show. Also, if you're listening to the show on Apple Podcast, please give a rating and a review so that more people can know about this show. Now that I got that out of the way, please enjoy this week's show. How do we improve the inefficiencies of water usage in our current agricultural system? 70% of our water is used for agriculture, and we're experiencing increasing droughts happening around the world due to climate change. Hi, I'm Takatoshi Shibayama, the host of the Future Design Podcast. In this episode, I have Oli Christian Siverston, CEO of Desert Control, that has found a way to liquefy clay and spray it on the desert so that the sand can be used to grow crops. Liquid nanoclay has been tested in the deserts of Dubai and is showing remarkable results in retaining high amounts of water and nutrients in the sand to allow for desert farming. Well, thank you very much for coming on to our show, Ali. I've noticed your work on CNN. I read an article about desert farming and you're using a special technology that has been invented about maybe less than a decade ago. I've read a lot of articles and, and research done around desert farming which includes vertical farming, uh, droplet irrigations, using solar energy, which is one of the really ener- uh, very intensive part of, of farming in deserts is energy, right? And also how to get water. So some are using seawater to do this, some are dipping into the aquifers. I wanted to know a little bit more about what your, what your technology is. Uh, which is called liquid nano clay, which is something I never heard of before. So thank, well, first of all, thank you very much for being on our show. Well, thanks for reaching out. Um, and um, well, um, let me start with uh, with a reference back to some of the areas you're mentioning here, because there is a lot of things going on in water technology and energy, which are great innovations, and we need all of them. At the same time, we also need to look at the amount of water that farming consumes across the world. And if we look at that, um, I mean, more than 70% of all fresh water uh, on the planet is consumed by agriculture and for food production. Mm. And in a scenario where the United Nations uh, in their reports predict that by 2025, 1.8 billion people will suffer absolute water scarcity. I think we also need to take a hard look at how we, how do we optimize and how do we, uh, you know, uh, grow better crops and more crops uh, with less water. Mm. So um, liquid nanoclay comes into, into play in that arena, really on improving the hygroscopy or the, the soil's ability to both absorb and retain water and nutrients. So, uh, so, so that's where we pit, uh, fit into the picture. Uh, and of course, we will need water. Water and air is crucial for uh, all life. Um, so um, so um, uh, we're focused on, uh, on making sure that the, the soil can retain more of the water. Um, it's, a big, uh, it's a big issue, you know, around the world as well with uh, both. Uh, I mean, we hear about more extreme weather, more droughts. Um, we have all these um, uh, uh, increasing temperatures that are causing deaths spread. And uh, as that happens, temperatures rise in a more vicious cycle again. So, so um you look at sort of what's happening around the world when it comes to the loss of uh, of fertile topsoil 
this really thin membrane around uh, our planet that uh, accounts for maybe 90% of everything that we uh, that we eat uh, and even what we wear uh, you know that uh, that thin membrane is getting thinner and thinner uh, and uh, the challenge with that is um, that we'll have to uh, you know very very quickly find alternative sources if we cannot reverse it um, and um, uh, the other challenge is with, with regards to water is that the thinner it gets, the more mineral uh, rich that soil will be underneath, very sandy, and that will uh, require even more water than the 70% of all fresh water that we're consuming today. So we need to address uh, the issue of, uh, of, of that combined with soil health, um, combating desertification and protecting land from, uh, from degradation and uh, uh, really championing uh, cultivation of healthy soils uh, for a healthy planet. That's uh, that's our target. Yeah. So the liquid nano clay, as you said, the clay actually absorbs water so that it retains water for a prolonged period of time compared to regular uh, irrigation methods or regular soil. Now, when you use the word liquid nano, can you explain to us what exactly that means? Yeah, I mean, um, um, if you if you can imagine, um, uh, I mean, it's correct as you say that clay uh, retains more water and also nutrients um, uh, when it's uh, at the right proportions or the right concentrations. There is also a, a reason why we use clay in pottery. Um, uh, that's because uh, you know at the at the, at the cond condensed stage, uh, no water will get through it. So uh, so you really want to get this right thing, the right. Uh, uh, concentrations and the right particle sizes of clay into the specific soil. And soil everywhere around the world is different. So uh, no soil is the same. Uh, there is different in, difference in, uh, in uh, the composition of uh, how many percents of uh, sand, silt, and clay, um, organic matter, pH levels, um, uh, salinity, and so many factors that are, are different. So, so uh, really, what we are, 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 are meaning when we're looking at it from a, a naming perspective of liquid nano clay is that we need to look at clay from a uh, clay and the soils from really a, a micro and nano perspective to understand the tiny elements of that soil in order to figure out what is the best way to cultivate that soil to make sure it becomes a healthy soil and can retain water and, and nutrients. And the other side is that, I mean, <clears throat> If you imagine, uh, you know, a, a, a lumpy bulk of clay and, and trying to work that one into the ground, that is, uh, that's not easy work, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I sometimes make a pizza, a Italian pizza on a Saturday night, and I think it's sometimes cumbersome just to get the, the flour into the dough there, right? right? And then just imagine this sticky, gluey thing and getting that into a porosity and nicely distributed thing into sand and soil. I mean... Uh, I wouldn't even go there and try it, right? <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. So, so, so it's about sort of uh, getting the particles to be separated from each other. Um, so that we're talking about uh, sort of the the basic of of matter um, and uh, the physical properties of the uh, of the um, particles in that clay, um, uh, so that we can have them not to you know become that lumpy matter. Uh, to separate them from each other and to have them uh, down to a particle size that is small mm. enough for this clay to be able to percolate into the soil uh, by itself in a non-intrusive way. So we don't have to dig it in or till it in, because if we dig and till um, um, uh, solutions like this into the soil, 
um, then we risk both damaging the um, uh, complex ecosystem that is down there, roots and filaments and hypnea from uh, uh, from um, uh, fungal systems and stuff like that. And secondly, what happens when you till and turn that soil heavily to work something into it is that there is already a, a, a lot of carbon locked into any soil. And when you get the carbon exposed to the surface, uh, the carbon reacts with oxygen and that reaction turns into carbon dioxide, which is CO2 that escapes into the atmosphere. So mm. that's why uh, kind of liquid nanoclay and sort of getting um, uh, to this um, to this specific liquid is uh, is uh, uh, sort of the, the, the story behind the name. Interesting. And I assume that because it's called liquid, uh, you break it down to such a small level that it can be almost like a liquid form. And is it, and how do you actually uh, spray this on to the uh, soil that you have? So I know that from the article that I read, your your experiments are done in Dubai, where it's completely a desert, you know, sand, and probably there's not much nutrition there as well. So and to be able to uh, you know, mold these things into the actual sand that's in Dubai. How do you go about doing that? Yeah. So, so, so let me answer um, the part on your um, sort of uh, the liquid uh, first. Um, so, um, um, the second part about liquid is that the particles are so small that you will have them. Uh, and the reason why this is uh, is is a good solution as well is because it's not about compacting the soil and just making it sticky so it sticks together by <clears throat> applying a lot of clay into it. It's really down to sort of the, the uh, micro nanoparticle sizes of, uh, of the clay particles um, and something called cationic exchange capacity and the structural surface charge of the particles. Now we're getting very sort of scientific um, um, so um, some of the audience may enjoy this. Uh, others may, uh, may may think what 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 is talking mm -hmm. about now. But um, uh, you know the the basics of uh, of structural surface charge. Uh, every particle has a, a kind of an electrical charge, and it works just like magnets, right? So uh, uh, charges that are equal, uh, they will oppose each other. Just like mm -hmm. if you flip the magnets on the wrong side, it will push uh, push apart. Uh, and uh, opposing charges will attract each other. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, there will be opposing charges between these tiny clay uh, flakes um, or plates mm -hmm. and the sand particles. So they will, like magnets, attach themselves around and create like a snowflake structure that expands mm -hmm. the surface area around every grain of sand that is in your sandy soil. That creates microporosity, small, uh, small porosity uh, uh, areas and aggregates in your soil. Uh, that allows for air to come in and uh, allows also for water com to come in. And now the second part comes in. It's actually the, uh, the, 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 the cationic exchange capacity and this surface charge that also has to retain the water in this situation. Mm. Because you don't want to clog up the soil so that uh, it's just about sort of slowing down the filtration level or the speed that water filters through. Then you'll get other problems, right? Uh, you know, water will not come in, and when it rains heavily, everything will just wash over your yeah. land. Mm. You want to keep it porosity open uh, so that it uh, it trickles into the into the soil and filters through. But you want to make sure that once you stop uh, applying irrigation water, as an example, on the top, uh, you know the water will be retained. And if you if you apply more water than this soil needs, it will just continue going through. 
but then about reducing irrigation to keep the right moisture level. If you're on the side mm -hmm. here, would have a part uh, of your land that was not treated and you stop putting irrigation water on it, it would continue to trickle through and then the, the top soil would be dry again, right? Mm. Whereas here it would be retained because of these, you can call it these magnets um, that I say, that also attracts and, and holds on to the charges of the water molecules. Um, uh, and that's, uh, that's sort of uh, the, 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 the whole um, concept behind, uh, behind our, our innovation. Right. And, and if, the water gets retained in these particles that are joined together with the sand. Uh, how does that, um, I guess, how does that kind of get the roots of the plants to absorb the water? Because if it's kind of trapped between the sand and the clay particle, then how does that seep into, into the roots of the vegetable? Yeah, so so um, uh, the roots of the of the vegetables uh, or whatever crop you're, you're you're planting there, I mean they they uh, they move uh, they move for water, right? So uh, so wherever they will find water, they will get it, and they will have you know uh, roots and small small roots that form around them. If you drag up uh, any kind of crop, you'll see that they have thick roots and thin roots, and very often they will have a symbiotic relationship with uh, fungi and fungal networks, which are these very, very fine uh, fine threads around them. Some of them are so small that you cannot even see them, and they can go for, you know, uh, extremely long uh, root systems around these uh, these plants. Mm -hmm. And they will find that uh, that moisture and, and, and have a nice uptake of the moisture. Um, and the roots and the, 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 the microbial life um, that is crucial for, for, for the exchange of, of breaking down nutrients um, uh, to uh, a level where where the plant's roots can actually uh, have an uptake of them, and where they exchange their sugars for various other nutrients, and this this uh, food web system that's uh, happening underground here, uh, having a, a proper moisture level is also very crucial for that life to thrive as well. Um, because when you have moisture in your in your sandy soil or in your in your soil in general, uh, the temperature goes down and it becomes more stable. Mm. An easy way to compare it is uh, is just imagine uh, going to uh, the beach on a sunny afternoon uh, and it's been extremely hot during the day and you put your feet on that dry sand. I mean, you're just burning and you just want to run and you want to run either to where uh, there is grass or to where uh, the, the the waves have washed up some uh, some uh, moisture. And, and the moment you get to that moist area where the waves have washed up some water, nice and cool, right? Yeah, um, and that's what we see also when we've uh, applied um, uh, uh, liquid clay that retains um, uh, water and moisture in the soil. That the soil temperature is much lower, much mm. cooler, um, and it remains much more stable. You don't have these peaks, and um, uh, both uh, both root systems, uh, fungi, and microbial activity they enjoy better a more stable climate um, uh, they don't like these peaks uh, just like us you know if you have to you know all the time in and out of air condition and very warm outside it's like um, uh, uh, it's, 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 it's it's enjoy the most uh, we continuously like uh, keep uh, keep adjusting and if it gets too warm we get lazy and we fall asleep or or if it gets even too warm we, we perish right so so that's also how life underground works um, and uh, and that is uh, that is why this is uh, this this is such an impactful solution to both uh, uh, reduce uh, water consumption by uh, up to fifty percent, um, and it also uh, 
stimulates better soil health and, uh, and it is very positive for the biodiversity uh, underneath our feet. Of course, as you said, um, uh, uh, deserts may be uh, you know, scarce in, in, in nutrients at times. I mean, there is some uh, soils that still have a lot of nutrients, even in deserts. And a desert is not a is not a uh, necessarily a damaged or degraded ecosystem. They are very complex ecosystems that you need to have uh, respect for uh, as well. So when you want to cultivate something there, you need to 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 understand how you're impacting that ecosystem. Um, but uh, you will also need to uh, to apply some kind of organic matter um, uh, in the process or, or, or nutrients that is uh, that is important to to start to kickstart this process of uh, of, uh, of of the food soil web again. Mm. And and these deserts in Dubai, I assume that you know it is an arid uh, land, and and maybe as you said, there is some kind of microbes living there, but probably not enough to sustain a vegetation. Uh, and so, what kind of nutrients do you actually provide uh, these farms with? Uh, I'm, I'm assuming compost and other things will go yeah. into this. Yeah, yeah. So, so we've been uh, for the for the pictures that's uh, been uh, circulating around the web these days. Uh, um, uh, that's been a validation uh, project with uh, ICBA, International Center for Biosaline Agriculture. Mm -hmm. um, we've done uh, sort of a two-year validation initiative so far, and we're uh, just about planning the third uh, initiative as well. So, the first year we did uh, uh, we did look at uh, at grass uh, and. Uh, uh, water retention and soil health development there, uh, where we documented 47% uh, water savings, decreased uh, salinity in the topsoil, uh, and um, uh, increased um, um, uh, biomass. Uh, uh, so so uh, then we went on to the pictures that we see now that were food crops, uh, watermelons, zucchini, pearl millet grains, and uh, and uh, there we uh, we um, we treated the land with uh, with liquid nanoclay. Um, and we had 144 different plots uh, and uh, controls and reference plots to look at sort of uh, with and without treatment. Um, uh, basically, we uh, we we applied some organic matter um, with uh, sort of uh, organic certified manure um, uh, to uh, to have uh, the needed nutrient uh, starting point. Uh, for some of the plots, we also integrated the liquid nanoclay um, uh, with uh, with fungi, with mycorrhiza fungi, mm -hmm. to help boost the, the the fungal activity, which is very positive for the symbiotic relationship. Um, uh, and we we didn't in this uh, in this uh, uh, um, uh, validation uh, project apply any any. Um, I mean, there is a lot of research and a lot of activity going on in microbial. Um, uh, uh, products uh, uh, and um, everything from uh, laboratory um, uh, created compost teas that uh, select sort of the right microbes that are <clears throat> uh, positive for, for for whatever you're going to do. So we did the plan of these um, uh, at this stage. Um, uh, that is something we we also are planning to look into uh, for the future. But for right now, I mean uh, the 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 uh, transformation of that little piece of desert land there. Uh, Happen with uh, with just a, a, a slight bit of uh, organic matter in the in the preparation of the land, applying the uh, the liquid nano clay. Some plots uh, with uh, with fungi and uh, and many of them without. Just to see sort of the difference on that. And uh, you know, within uh, within a couple of weeks and months, um, that land transformed from uh, from an arid uh, desert uh, uh, sand uh, surface to uh, a green oasis. With, uh, you know, uh, two, two, 2 2.5 meter tall um, 
called millet, uh, uh, green, green, green leaves and, uh, and uh, fruits and vegetables. And uh, I mean, I walked around there myself uh, in, uh, in, in the end of March and uh, just before we had, uh, we had to depart because of COVID-19. Uh, and uh, I mean, I felt the temperature of that sand, uh, sand in my shoes and, uh, and sand in my hands. And, uh, and uh, just seeing this, this transformation is, uh, is just such an inspiration. Right. Yeah. I, would, I wish I could see that too. And before, before we started recording this, we talked about food security and self-sustainability uh, within each each nation. And for a country like uh, UAE or in particular here in Dubai, there's not a lot of, uh, um, you know, I guess, water available. There's not a lot of these uh, organic compost and, and different uh, matter that requires to grow uh, vegetation uh, in, in that area. How do you see that um, Dubai being able to continue doing this without importing so many things from around the world? So let, let's say like water or energy, I'm sure they have no problem with that very cheap energy uh, they can source, uh, but in terms of water and, and nutrition, how, how do you think that they can continue uh, with this? Well, I think um, there are um, there are lots of things uh, happening on on water innovation areas uh, in terms of uh, you know uh, treating uh, grey water and black water and uh, uh, sewage water and all kinds of things that uh, that is going to be uh, that is going to be of high relevance. I think the UAE is uh, is uh, sort of an admirable nation when it comes to uh, innovation uh, in general. I mean. Um, uh, uh, just uh, look, look at a, a small country like that uh, sending off uh, a mission to Mars um, uh, recently and uh, uh, opening when, when others are closing nuclear plants, they are opening uh, new ones with new technologies for better safety and cleaner uh, uh, environments and stuff like that. So they're kind of uh, taking a different path on, on many areas, um, uh, which, is, uh, which is quite inspiring to, uh, to see. Um, uh, so if you look at the things that are happening on water um, and, um, you know, even more uh, newer technologies coming to play also when it comes to desalination of, uh, of, of water, which today is both uh, expensive, cumbersome, um, uh, demanding a lot of energy, burning a lot of fossil fuels to get this done, um, and also creating some, uh, some challenges with uh, higher salinity in the water where you're mm. sort of focusing all the, 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 the salinity that's coming out of the process. Uh, I think there are, um, you know, great innovations coming around to improve that and make that more sustainable and, uh, and planet friendly and friendly. Um, so then the next chapter is to make sure that we are not wasting that water. Because if you look at the UAE, the, the biggest problem is that the majority of the land is, uh, is uh, uh, arid land, um, desert and June sand, uh, and uh, I mean, any water that you apply there is just going to keep trick trickling through. Another challenge with that, if you if you start to cultivate these areas and you start to fertilize them, also the fertilizers will keep trickling through. And uh, even in these regions, there is also groundwater sources, you know, maybe they are deep down, maybe they are, you know, uh, so uh, aquifers and groundwaters will potentially be infiltrated by you know, nitrogen leaching, if you start to fertilize and cultivate these areas and just applying huge amounts of water. Mm. So I think you need to work in conjunction here and actually make sure that you get a healthy sandy soil out of this that retains the water and nutrients and works also to re reduce uh, 
and eliminate the the the, the negative impacts of leaching of uh, of, of nutrients and, um, and fertilizers in the process. So so I think these things go hand in hand. Um, um, and I think uh, uh, I think this is why also everybody talks about when you're bringing in new innovations to market, everything is timing, right? So uh, and uh, and uh, if you come up with something that requires innovations that are not there from other sectors, uh, you, you know your timing is off. Yeah. But with everything happening on, on on these fronts together and the enormous initiative that uh, that we see around the planet for for solving the. Uh, the, the 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 big threats against humanity and prosperity on of, of, to to life on Earth uh, makes this right timing for all of these technologies. Mm-hmm. And I know um, from reading different research reports and articles that Saudi Arabia and UAE both were experimenting quite a lot with greenhouses, vertical farming, and the the only way that I think uh, uh, you know farming can be very sustainable is also with the affordability of it as well. And if you had to compare, you know, the stresses on uh, you know sustaining a greenhouse, you know, use a lot of energy because you have to keep it cool down, and also the vertical farming where you actually do use hydroponics where you, there's a lot of uh, usage of water, and then your uh, liquid nano clay where it retains water uh, and how do you compare the cost structures of that and how do you think the viability are for those type of farming um, technologies? Well, I think, I think cost structures um, um, uh, is, is one thing to look at, but I think, uh, I think there are wider aspects to consider as well because, um, you know, there will all, always be cost, uh, uh, the differences between, uh, you know, um, uh, a... Um, uh, greenhouse uh, infrastructure and an open field cultivation. Mm. Um, I think, I think uh, you know, if you, if you also look at it at the same time in terms of uh, the possibilities that you're, 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 you're bringing when you are cultivating larger areas, um, I think this is relevant both for, for, for agriculture and also for green landscapes and, uh, and other things that are contributing to uh, both uh, uh, reducing the water that is needed to keep the area green and fertile, at the same time um, reducing some of the other major issues that you have in places like this, such as dust mitigation, uh, that you are cultivating much larger areas when you do it outdoors. Um, uh, you're binding the the, the top surface, uh, which is uh, just uh, loose sand. Um, uh, also, back to my my beach example of of lowering the the temperature of the of the surface. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, if you do that at larger scales, it will not just be the surface. This will reflect into the uh, the, the local region and the local area as well. Uh, and uh, and lowering ground temperatures and surface area temperatures it, uh, at, at scale in areas like this will also have major positive uh, contributions uh, in terms of making it a more pleasant place to uh, to to live and be in, uh, and, uh, and and then reducing the overall consumption of uh, of, uh, of electricity. To down the areas as well, so I think you need to look at it from from multiple angles to uh, to uh, to see sort of this at a larger scale. Mm. Um, <clears throat> secondly, I think um, um, you know um, we need we need we need all of these innovations really at the same time um, uh, because they will have their uh, their uh, uh, positive uh, elements. And I think what, what what I really enjoy is is, is to see sort of a lot of initiatives uh, coming together around how do we how do we really uh, get to the, the the most nutritious and healthy food as well? 
Mm. Um, and I don't think we have the answers there yet. I think uh, aquaponics uh, and uh, greenhouses are, are, are uh, you know, amazing uh, innovations happening around them. Greenhouses are not what they once used to be. Mm. Uh, I mean, uh, there are ways where, you know, you have uh, in the, um, uh, uh, greenhouse uh, uh, innovative companies that are now... Uh, you know, uh, uh, stimulating the lives of pollinators like bees and everything and doing a, a, a more natural approach to the entire process using highly uh, energy efficient solutions to keep the right temperatures and stuff like that. So so a lot of things is happening in, 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 in that area. Um, but at the same time, um, we don't yet know the answers. And, th and there are questions to be answered as well, such as why, why is food in general today uh, less rich in micronutrients, um, uh, you know, and will we be able uh, with uh, with these closed environments to uh, to change that and get the micronutrients back into uh, into these uh, uh, to the food that we're eating? Because what we don't understand, I mean, ninety five percent of the species on Earth uh, on, on on terrestrial uh, land Earth uh, probably reside underneath our feet uh, in the soil. And it's, a, it's an enormous ecosystem and a very complex ecosystem of uh, biological life that all work together. And there are probably wars going on there between some of these, uh, some of these uh, microbes and, uh, and species. And there are the, the ones that are protecting the plants and feeding the plants. And, uh, uh, you know, um, all the nutrients uh, needs to be broken down by various types of, uh, of, of microbes and uh, and. and uh, uh, species there that are eating uh, uh, eating them and excreting them and eating each other and then breaking it down and breaking it down until these micronutrients uh, are exchanged for sugar with uh, with plant roots with uh, with fungi and stuff like that and 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 are we able with innovation uh, and uh, science and technology to recreate nature's wonders of everything from photosynthesis to uh, to this advanced system down there we don't have those answers yet. I have not seen it. So I think we, 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 we need to think about um, uh, ways to, uh, to make sure that we keep on driving down paths of both, um, you know, working in harmony and concert with this uh, amazing ecosystem uh, in the soil um, and creating uh, sources of, uh, of, of new innovations on the side through uh, technologies such as uh, uh, we do within greenhouses and aquaponics and other areas. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think there's ways for many different technologies to survive in this world. And the amount of degradation that we cause this environment, you know, some, we need to come up with more and more different ideas and different ways to recreate the, the world that we live in. At least uh, maybe recreate, as you said, might be a little bit different because maybe it's some kind of God's work. But try to keep what we have right now and, and sustain the level of what we have right now, because, you know, the, our, our world is going to probably get more and more difficult to live in with the growing population and, and the need for various food sources. So I think that, you know, what you're doing uh, in this farming sector, whether it's in deserts or you can probably go out to different, different types of uh, 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 arid lands in, in the world, and I hope that you can grow this business a lot more. So could you tell me a little bit more about what's next for Desert Control and, and how you want to go about growing your business? Yeah, I think that the need for what we do uh, is uh, is enormous um, uh, because, um, uh, correctly, as you say, I mean, uh, uh, we're growing as a global population. 
And um, uh, we know that uh, you know, just by the projection that we currently have, this planet needs to, uh, to generate more food in the next 40 years than the planet has produced uh, over the last 500 years uh, altogether, right? So, uh, so Chris, uh, there is definitely need for all of the, all of the technologies. Um, at the same time, um, you know, we have desert spreading and loss of topsoil uh, uh, of something like, I mean, according to the United Nations, uh, 12 million hectares per year of fertile land that perish to desertification and droughts. And uh, 12 million hectares doesn't really say anyone uh, too much. But uh, if you break that down to uh, something that we may recognize, the size of uh, football fields, uh, it's something like more than 30 football fields every minute that yeah. are just wiped out. <clears throat> so, so, uh, so these are the challenges that we need to uh, to, to to address. I know that uh, the uh, the um, uh, ability and uh, uh, creativity and um, um, uh, adaptability of uh, of mankind and humanity is is so enormous that we will overcome these uh, these challenges. And that's what we are focusing on in desert control as well to be part of the solution to uh, to to these problems. So what's next for, for the company? Well, we, we are still early stage. So we've been focusing sort of the, the first uh, uh, almost a decade, really, of, uh, of early stage testing and validation. I've also spent many years of my life in, uh, in the software and the IT services industry. So, uh, so whenever you hear something has taken 10, 10 or 15 years or whatever to, to bring out, so it's like, uh, well, this, uh, what, what, what's going on? Um, because in the software industry, we can debug uh, things that we are developing every hour or multiple times per hour. But when you're dealing with nature, you need uh, a plant cycle or a, you know, a calendar year between every bug fix. Uh, and then you also want to make sure that the, the long-term impacts are not going to be harmful in any way and understanding what, the, what, what this will do. So you will maybe need like two times five years cycles. Um, uh, to make sure that you uh, you have something that is really uh, sustainable and positive to the environment. Uh, and then you need to get external validation, which is what we've been focusing on the last two years together with International Center for Biosaline Agriculture. Because if you only try to validate everything yourself, uh, no matter how good your intentions are, sometimes you get uh, biased and you get some intentional-based outcomes. So it's super mm -hmm. important to work with very professional uh, independent organizations to make sure you get good validation on everything that we do. We've spent two years now, the last two years on that. And prior to to to, to right now, we did not focus on on then starting to build uh, very efficient equipment or, or, or solutions to produce this liquid clay at scale, uh, because you don't want to invest in something before you really have spent all this time to make sure it's 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 the right solution. Um, so so. We have sufficient validation. We know that the uh, the liquid nano clay LNC is uh, is, uh, is is working as we are expecting and uh, has the positive effects and uh, and no harmful uh, side effects. So now it's time for us to start to scale up. So we uh, we raised a seed funding round, um, uh, short of five million dollars um, uh, that we finalized and closed uh, March twentieth this year. Mm. Um, and with uh, with that funding, we are now focused on building. Uh, the first prototypes of the scaled-up versions of the uh, the production equipment um, that can produce this liquid nanoclay in field close to the, the 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 areas or actually on the fields that we are treating, because we don't want to have huge amounts of uh, of liquid shipped around the world. Uh, the, the, that's a very negative uh, footprint. Um, that so yeah. we want to do this locally. 
We want to be able to, uh, you know, hire locally and build, um, uh, create uh, jobs and opportunities in local communities around the world that has the positive uh, ripple effect of, uh, of healing the land and, uh, and creating more jobs in agriculture, saving water, producing more food and all the other things that we talked about. And, and, and make that happen uh, in, uh, with, uh, with circular economies and uh, capacity development in local communities. So that's why we are focused now on, uh, on uh, really getting these first um, uh, semi-autonomous uh, business units of, uh, of field process equipment um, uh, developed. The first prototype is expected to, uh, to go into uh, to testing now in a couple of weeks. Uh, then uh, it will be deployed in uh, in the UAE uh, for field uh, testing, some real operational experience with this one. Uh, and as it is, uh, we always need to uh, to make some improvements before you produce unit number two and three. And based on the engineering improvements of that, we will be ready to start producing these units and start to uh, scale out. So right now we're in the scale up of capacity and then forming the business model around that to scale out into the markets in the next stage. Um, that's, uh, that's what's next for us. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I mean, I'll probably have an opportunity to go to Dubai once uh, all this international travel opens up, and I definitely want to have a chance to see your field and, and check it out. <clears throat> and uh, I think what you're doing is awesome. It's great for the world and and great for re you know revegetizing the the whole world that we need so much. And I hope you. Uh, very huge success in what you're doing and uh, hopefully this podcast will reach enough people so that you can also secure more funding build more awareness and get your word out there so thank you very much for your time thank you very much and um, uh, i mean to uh, whoever is is listening to this uh, i mean also we we appreciate to get any ideas and suggestions if you're skeptical to this or think there are ways that we should think about uh, we are, uh, are, are so eager to learn and understand, as I said, uh, we know uh, as, as humanity so little uh, about the, uh, the, the advanced ecosystem underneath our feet. We probably know more about the moon and soon about Mars than we know about the soil systems and the complexity of those, uh, of those biological uh, networks that are happening there. Um, so, um, I mean, we, we, are, we are just so happy and it's such a fulfillment to work with this. Uh, and uh, we're on we're on a mission uh, to uh, to make this planet more green and sustainable uh, and resilient uh, to ensure prosperity for, uh, for for the life uh, and all life on uh, on this planet. So thanks for having me on 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 your podcast. Yeah, thank you very much. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. If you had enjoyed or disliked the show, please let me know in the comment section. I can only improve or add value to you through your voices. If there are any topics that you'd like me to pick up, please let me know in the comment section as well. I'd love to start chatting with you. And if you'd like to continue listening to the show, please subscribe. Thank you.